friends in the movie. Two 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 friends in the movie. With Madden 16. With 16 and Matt. With Madden 16. With 16 and Matt. With Madden 16. I know we did a podcast a few weeks ago, but this is the official yeah. 2024 year for Two Friends in the Movie with Matt and Sixto. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, 2024, 2023 was fucking massive for Two Friends in the Movie. I think we did more podcasts in two months in 2023 than we had done in the last five years. We definitely did more this year than any other year. If you go find all the other years, <laughs> this year was the most amount. But you know what? For 2024, we're going to double that. No, don't do that. Don't say that. Cause, stop. I said it. It's, no, it's don't, out don't, there. Don't it's already it out there. I can't. No, it's it happened. Back. That just happened. <laughs> so bad. It's too bad. It happened. Okay. I'm well, putting you on notice. Putting me on notice. Um, two friends in the movie where my friend Matthew and I, Sixto, sit down and talk about a movie that we really like or hate it. Um, we have been we're, friends. Yeah, sometimes sometimes we're just indifferent about the indifferent. movie. Indifferent, yeah. yeah. Uh, we've been friends for about 10 years and enjoyed our company somewhat. I mean, it's kind of questionable if we're for actually the most friends. most parts, yeah. <laughs> sometimes... Less yeah, friends, I, sometimes more friends. Matt yelled at me like two weeks ago about something from work because I was telling him, I know I did this and I'm trying to figure it out, but I couldn't explain my question. And Matt literally talked to me like one of his kids, like, I don't understand what you don't understand about what I'm telling you. And I was like, I don't understand what you don't understand my question, but I couldn't say it. I was just Kept trying to asking the same question over and over again. And I'm like, this is the answer to that question. <laughs> I, I was trying to figure out where my question was failing, and I was like, oh, I didn't say I've done this on this, whatever. The point is, sometimes we're not so friendly. Yeah, sometimes always... he's a moron, and I got to check him. <laughs> Shut up. I'm Someti- like, dick. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we are very good friends about a movie. Uh, today, we got... A doozy for you. You probably right. see... Right on cue with the Oscar noms coming out last week. Bam. Bam. We're going to hit you with the new Bam. Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Martin Scorsese film that came out in 2023. Yeah. Killer of a Flower Moon. Now, when you say new... <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's their newest one. The the way the movie theaters have uh, movie releases have been lately, it's pretty new. Like yeah, I've been selling Godzilla minus one to everybody that we know, and finally one of my friends was like, finally, like I'm gonna go. One of our friends, as you said, or coworkers, as you said, I uh, said I'm gonna go see it with my husband, and 
I got so excited because I was like, well, I wonder what, what, uh, which, uh, streaming service you're going to see that in. And they were like, no, it's in the movie theater. Like I'm, I just bought tickets for Saturday. I was like, holy shit, that has legs. Holy shit. It's like the olden times. It's like the eighties and the nineties when a movie would just have legs because there's nothing else to supplement was there. Oppenheimer's back, Oppenheimer's back in the movie theater. Barbie's back in the movie theater. They just don't have both also on streaming services. Right, but I mean, it's just for the experience, right? Like, I think movie theaters are trying to cash in on the experience, and I'm very glad because I love going to the movies. That's why we have a movie podcast. That's right. I love the experience of exchanging a laugh with somebody I've never met. We're we're meeting in a moment and never again to see each other, and that's amazing to me. A moment in time. You like how how fucking poetic I was there with that? We got real deep, real fast. Real deep, real fast. That's what happens when you're Dominican. You go real deep, real fast. And and then then you slow it down. No, it's not over. Yeah. That's what I heard about Dominicans. (laughs) Deep, fast, and quick. (laughs) Anyways, Killers of the Flower Moon. You know, before before we jump in to the movie, Uh, I got to tell you, this movie made me really mad. And let me tell you why. Uh-oh. I wasn't the best student in school. I didn't pay attention every single day. Okay. I wasn't a bad student. Like, I was middle of the pack, average kid. Okay. I have never heard of this story before this movie. I don't think anybody has. Yeah. Exactly. Why doesn't the schools fucking teach you about this? We fucking <laughs> demolish these fucking people in a true story and not a peep has been said in a textbook or a unit. I feel like this is like a five-minute lesson they told you, like, as you were leaving class. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, we killed a bunch of Indians along ago because we wanted their oil. Have a good weekend. Bye. Enjoy enjoy your Saturday. I think the same reason why we never heard about Tulsa exactly. and the same is, is racism. And it's, it's all it so is. It's so bad. It's so bad. It made me, it made me sad to be an American. I'm sorry, man. But it's just one, because what we did, and obviously we'll get into all of that, but two, that we're just trying to pretend it didn't happen. But I mean, when you think about it, let's get political for about a tenth of a second here. When you think about it and you hear places like Florida want to like take out education about slavery and people are okay with it. Mm-hmm. You have to question. You you don't really have to question why. It's just that it's sadder that today that's a proposition that gets that 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 gets fucking backing from people. Exactly. And I grew up in New York, and went to New York school system, which is considered one of the better states in the country of of education. And I didn't know about it. So what are they teaching in Florida? What are they teaching in like? You know, Missouri, are these... Are they, uh, it, it made me mad. It's Yeah, it's mind-boggling. And I got to tell you, Matt, and I, I know this we're, like, more funny than we're serious, but to get serious for a second, that's the kind of shit when you're like me, like a brown person that's an immigrant with an accent. It really makes you kind of, like, take double takes about your life and who surrounds you because I think that's part of the reason why racism is part of the system in the norm. That's why somebody makes fun of my accent and a lot of people laugh and they don't care if 
if I feel self-conscious about it because people want to say, well, that's cool. That takes away all of the all of the ants that you have about having an accent. But no, it doesn't. And picking on somebody's accent just because they're from another country is not really quite the same you know as what we're talking about but it's it's a it's a lingering effect of why something like that happens right or it's a symptom of why something like that happens does it um, have to be an accent from another country no because it could be your long island accent that we all make fun of on the, the daily on, on the, the daily. daily man four 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 times a day <laughs> it happens but you know um I, I think you're right because it happens in your case or if you have a lisp, like people do that all the same. But like if you if somebody make fun of somebody with a lisp, somebody would jump up and be like, hey, don't do that, man. That's fucked up. That person has a disability, quote unquote. Right. But if somebody's making fun of your accent or my accent, people would be like these idiots. And then the, the uh, what it forms in return for me again, as a brown person with an accent from another country, it's some sort of sentiment that I'm never going to be respected or liked because mm -hmm. I have some sort of, you know... You'll never be invited to the club. Right, because I have something that makes me a little different. Yeah. A big-ass dick. A big-ass dick. Well, is that why? Is that why they don't the want stars. me in the club? Is that why they don't want me in the club, Matt? Yeah, and the women don't watch you because you're too quick. <laughs> <laughs> But back to the movie, I, we don't usually do this in the beginning, but just for bringing light to this story. Yeah. Makes it a minimum of a two-toe movie. Okay. Minimum. Like, even if the entire movie is trash. Yeah, it's just, a minimum, right. Yeah. It's a minimum just to bring light to the story. Like, this happened in America a hundred years ago. This wasn't thousands of years ago. No. This was a no. hundred years ago. This wasn't even, this is in a century where the great majority of us were born. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? And most people that you know are born in that century. So it's not like my great grandpappy's uh, story. It happened like within our century and it's fucking pathetic. But you're right. This at least makes it a two. That's the yeah. minimum requ requirement for this movie is a two. Exactly. Anyways. So, getting into the movie, yeah. this movie takes place in Oklahoma in, like, the 1920s era uh, where the Osage, Osage Indian tribe were living in Oklahoma, mm -hmm. and the white men were like, hey, you know, go go over there. We want this land. We're going to give you this plot. You can live over there, but that's the only place you can live. Um, and because they were outmanned and outgunned, they had no choice. They moved to this spot. This spot then discovers has oil. Yeah. So now this tribe are rich. They have yeah. all this oil. It's their land. The government gave them their land. So it's legal. It's all theirs. And then, like always, the good old white man comes back and be like, oh, hey. <laughs> hey, remember man. Me? Hey, man. I just, I just want to be your friend <laughs> and help you out with all this oil. You, you know how I gave you that land full of oil? You know, I like you. Come on. Yeah, man. We're cool. <laughs> We're cool, man. Now, I'm just going to help you come and manage it because you're an Indian and you must be way too stupid to figure it out on your own. Right. So how, you need me here. How do you ever even survive to this point without us? We don't know. We, you, we're going to help you now because now you need our help more than ever. 
more than ever. Whatever. What, what we can do is oil. It's nothing to you. Without <laughs> me, it doesn't become money. It's just oil. <laughs> oil. Get you cooking. So that's that's the main overall plot of this movie. And then they dive into the characters. And you have De Niro, who's kind of like the top guy in this area. He runs things. You have to go through him to do anything. Uh, he's the sheriff. He's the mayor. He's the governor. He's everything. Yeah. Uh, and his nephew comes to town after being in the war, uh, who's played by Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, to kind of live with him and help him out with what's going on here. Um, and you could tell that Leo is, you know, he's not a, an idiot, but he's not the smartest guy you ever met. Uh, in, he's in, he's, in he's older, a follower. Yeah. In older terms, you call those guys a simpleton, right? Yeah. Like a guy that kind of obviously has some sort of disability of, to some degree. He can follow orders. He was a cook in the in the uh, in the war because he couldn't fight because he wasn't smart enough, obviously, to like manage any of the machinery. Yeah. So he was a cook. I remember. So this is the 1920s. So he was born probably 1900s. He's probably around his 20s. Like education. No, I think he'd be older. I think he'd be like 18, 1880s, or some 1890s or something like that. Right. Yeah, we'll, we'll say 1890. We'll crawl in the middle. Okay. So he's about 30 years old in this movie. <laughs> Um, and, you know, education wasn't a priority back then, so he probably has, like, a fifth or sixth grade education, and that was the end of it. If even, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so what's going on in this town is the white men are trying to infiltrate the Indians' families so they can get on the wills and the deeds of all this oil and eventually take it back. So all these white men are marrying all these uh, Indian women, which Leo the Carp. DiCaprio ends up doing himself. He he finds one of the sisters who is one of the wealthier families in this area. Starts a relationship. Ends up marrying him. Has a kid. And that's where it kind of all starts to go to hell. Right. Um, I think... Uh, well, let's finish with the plot so then we can go back and point out certain parts. So, Leo marries this woman and in the meantime, they're showing you scenes where people are getting killed. First, they show you first they show you the aftermath where they're like, "Oh, so and so got killed over here. So and so got killed over there. No investigation. So and so got killed over here. No investigation." And, and then accidents it, or suicides, right? And then eventually, it gets to the point where they start showing you people getting killed. And then once Leo gets married into the oil money, his uncle, who's, who, as you said, is. Uh, uh, Robert De Niro starts telling him what to do to get rid of these people. And you're seeing more and more deaths that happen. But every one of these deaths is more fucked up because this is all of his siblings in law. And that shit is crazy to me that all these people are getting killed left and right. He's involved in it and he's married to one of the sisters. Yeah. And you could tell that there is a disconnect somewhere because the sister who he's married to never seems to really lose trust in him. Yeah. Like, you could tell she's her family's suspicious and she's thinking about it, but she never goes and calls him out on it until, like, the end of the movie. So, and this is a, you know, it's an epic. It's almost four hours. Yeah. So, there's a lot, there's a lot happening and a lot not happening. Not happening. <laughs> right. Um, I, I, so this is a very weird 
position to be in because I think she believes that he loves her. And I actually think he believes that he loves her. You know what I mean? Like, I think he, he cares for his children. He cares for her, but he's willing to do whatever his uncle tells him. But she's diabetic. And back in those days, like this is when they first even discovered insulin, you know? So like, it's, it's a very, it's a very, it, it's, it's a very lethal disease back then. Let's just say. So she gets the opportunity to go to meet the president and to tell the president that her family has completely died, that nobody's taking care of the situation and that somebody should investigate. So Mr. J. Edgar Hoover himself, as he was played by Leo DiCaprio before. So this movie's fucked up because there's a, there's a J. Edgar Hoover movie where Leo plays J. Edgar Hoover investigating Leo in this movie. It's a fucking matrix. It is. It's the matrix. You took like, the red pill. It's like being on First Street and First Avenue. How does the same street <laughs> intersect with each other? So um, the investigation starts taking place, and I know we're consuming a lot of this movie very quickly, but I guess when we get into the details, we'll explain more of it. Um, the investigation starts taking place, and they finally end with Leo, and therefore end with his brother and his uncle who were doing most of the killing and most of the things that were happening. And so, you know... All the killing stems from De Niro. De Niro either has killed or has said this person needs to die. Right. Everything goes to De Niro. He is clearly the smartest guy in the town, uh, white or Indian. Like, he knows everything. He's controlling everything. Right. Uh, Until the feds come into the town... And then he realizes he wasn't as smart or slick as he thought he was right. because they quickly uncover what's Everything. going on here. Yeah. And so um, now moving towards the very end of the movie, Leo has been t- talking about, uh, you know, exposing his uncle. So now the lawyer says, I need to talk to this man. And because, because Robert De Niro had told Leo before, listen to me, the king, as they call him, the king had told Leo, Listen to me. I have somebody to protect you, but you got to let me protect you before Leo got arrested. And then once he got arrested, the lawyer that was with uh, Nathan, is that Nathan Fillion? No. Uh, What's his name that played the lawyer? Uh, The guy from The Mummy? Yeah. uh, Uh, Not John Lithgow. John Lithgow was the other lawyer. Right. Uh, His name is Come on. He's the guy from The Well. The what? From the well. The well? Yeah, the well. Like a well, like in the sea. A well. I, I have no idea what the well is. It's a movie, man. I've it's never good, seen it, the well. It was, it was in last year's fucking Oscar nominees. Fuck. The well? That's yeah. W-E-L-L? W-H-A-L-E. Oh, the, the well. well. Oh, okay, thanks. I thought you were saying <laughs> the well. I'm like, what's the well? Uh, Brandon Fraser. Thank you. So... Brandon Fraser is over here telling Leo they're going to fuck you over. Don't believe what they say. You got to stand with your uncle. So he, now he backtracks. Leo backtracks. His daughter dies. So his daughter had a, a, a pulmonary problem. So the most likely truth is that his daughter just died because medicine was shit back yeah, in the they- early 1900s. But he took it as you killed my daughter. 
and that's where he draws the line. He's like, line. and you could tell at this point, this is the first time where like he starts to waver his uh, allegiance. Does he want to be with his wife and his family, or does he want to be with his uncle? And I think this points out that he's not as stupid as we thought he was the entire movie. Right. He does have a brain on his shoulders, and he can see the light in the tunnel. Like, oh yeah, he's really fucking me over. It's time to for me to get him. Right, and I think that there's a lot of it that he's just doing things because he kind of has to. He's just like, well, I'm in this too deep kind of thing, and I'm gonna do it. But let's say, yeah, he's a bit smarter than we think. But I don't think he's. I mean, he's dumb. And, and, oh yeah, and, he's not a smart man. Right, but I don't think he's as dumb right? as we as we think yeah, he is. For sure, for sure. And he, you could tell he's growing. Like this is uh it's a, it's a curve. It's he starts out. He doesn't know anything about the town. He starts to learn about the people. He starts to learn about what his uncle is really doing, where mm-hmm. this money is going. Um, and I think in the beginning, you could tell Leo doesn't really know what love is. Right. Uh, what he thinks that he thinks he loves her, but I don't think he actually loves her because I don't think he understands what love is. And until he starts having children, I think that's when he realizes what love really is yeah. and that's where he starts to change his tune and starts to go well i don't know if i want to do this and eventually yeah. ends up with him you know turning on his uncle well at the end of the movie to finalize and then we can go into the good details what happens is that leo talks on his like he rats his uncle out they both get life in jail but because it's the 1920s and they're white men they end up doing like, you know, one does like 10 years and the other one does 18, something like that. Yeah, I think and, Leo does 10 and De Niro does 18. Right. And or backwards, because I think De Niro was very old by the time he got arrested or the character is. And, you know, they both get released and that's the end of that. Um, so. This movie. um, It's like. I don't know, Matt, if you ever read the book Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. I did not. Uh, they said Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. It's a collection of letters and documents that happen to narrate from the government what happened during the Indian Wars from what a lot of the natives came to speak in their dispositions, what they said during a court, This, you know, like while they were in court. Mm-hmm what happened with other people that came to say, well, this is what happened, blah, blah, blah. So the book is very factual based, but it's storytelling in that dispositions is just somebody telling you a story. So these people are just writing down whatever this person is saying and they pass it forward. There's a bunch of letters and stuff like that. But bury my heart a wounded knee, even though it has, it kind of hits you in the chest because you're hearing truths from the perspective of two different people. So, you know, my truth, your truth, and the real truth in the middle kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when you kind of discover the truth in the middle from everybody's side, it's really fucked up. And I think that this book, this movie kind of functions like this book. There's not a lot of, per se, nuisance in creating character or depth in creating. There's no depth to a lot of the characters. I think everything is kind of on the surface, but it just seems like somebody's telling you points of interest in a story rather than, than the characters telling you the story from their perspective so much. Well, they really can give a lot of perspective, like you said. Like, you get 
you get a you get an overall view what's happening, but I don't know if it's uh purposely trying to hide what the Indians were going through because that's what the white men wanted to do. So that's the experience they're giving you is that yeah. everyone was in the dark of what was going on because De Niro and these other white guys were hiding everything. Um, or if it's just a bad storytelling or it's just something that I didn't agree with. I'd rather have would have I'd rather have would have seen more of what the family the Indian families were thinking rather than what the white guys were thinking. Because I know what the white guys were thinking. Right. I don't understand what the Indians were thinking, why they kept marrying. Like, one of his sisters married this guy, and then she mysteriously dies. And then that same guy marries another one of the sisters. Yeah. Like, why? I don't understand the thinking of why someone would marry the same guy that was watching your sister who's, who died mysteriously. Right. Um. So I wish there was a little more of that perspective uh, because you get a lot of the white guy's perspective. You know that that De Niro is there to steal his money. You know that DiCaprio, who says it many times throughout the movie, I just love money. Like, yeah. they're there for a reason, and you know the reason, and the actions they're doing are to get that reason, to get their oil, to get their money, and to get control. I think most of all is you still have some of these Indians controlling this land, we want it. How do we get it? Yeah, I. You know, I, I, yeah, maybe I, I, I just I feel like the the bigger the possibility is, well, Martin Scorsese is not a Native American, so he sure. doesn't want to show like he doesn't want to protrude into telling the. But then why didn't you get a a, a Native American to help yeah, you out you with that? You can get someone. From, <laughs> there must like I don't know. I haven't done the research on it, but I have to imagine there's some sort of ancestors who either are were a part of this tribe or near this tribe or heard the stories of this tribe or could just tell you a similar experience. Like, well, I wasn't part of the Osage, but over here, the white men kind of did the same thing to us. Right, right. And I feel like, look, I, I the perspective of, of Native Americans is so weird because we all have like a European structure of thinking and processing right because they colonize the whole planet so like that's what we all function under mm -hmm. the european way form yeah in asia and in africa there's places that is not so empowered in that train of thinking but it's definitely influenced all the same but native americans like a perfect example of, of something that happened in the americas was the aztecs gigantic empire right and they didn't fight wars to kill each other as a norm. They rather would have some sort of submission war or, or understanding of what we need to take from you that, that you need to give us than, than just killing each other. But the Europeans didn't think that way. The European didn't, and the European couldn't allow themselves to think that way. And that travels all the way through slavery. Where if yeah. you don't think that that's a person, you don't have to respect how they think. But exactly. The white man has always felt superior to anyone right. else. Right. Um, even each other is, I'm yeah. English, I'm better than you because you're French. Like, right. There's always mm -hmm. been we're superior instead of looking, you know, at everybody as one. And you could tell, like, what happened a few years ago with uh, George Floyd. Like, the outrage that happened because of that abuse. Like, could you imagine how much worse 
it was with no one checking these when people. When no one knew, right. Yeah. And so, and so I I think that what to what you're to what the reason why I'm saying that is because you're ask you're trying to say like well, you're not trying to say you're trying to understand why for example if somebody's if my my brother's wife my brother died I'm not going to marry my sister-in-law because that's just weird because of the situation and how that's moving right mm-hmm. but for them I'm quite sure that there's a lot of less importance into the ritual of marriage they understand they have to have children they understand that life moves on and they're not so probably married to the <laughs> no pun intended they're not so married to the idealisms of marriage like we have because we have that centric I mean, they, they, european they have, they have that big they have that big ceremony for them like yeah. they had to, they had to go through the it means something and like, absolutely you get hints that they understand like Oh, these white men are trying to steal our stuff. Like you get like little hints that they're starting to realize that absolutely. There's problems. And um, I just wish that we saw more of that. I mean, but you're absolutely right that if we would have had some understanding of why they act like they act, if they would have said what I'm saying, where they're like, you know, well, you know, so and so died, you must remarry. I would rather you stay in the family. My other daughter is, is single. You should marry her because we're in the because they I'm I'm not saying that they don't care about marriage. I'm saying they don't have the same values that we do about marriage. I guess what I'm kinda saying is we don't know. Like yeah. we're guessing like what right. could have been. Right. I wish we didn't have to guess. I wish they would have been like a line. Let's see a conversation between the two sisters right. of why they're thinking. And right. why they did this. Right. A line. It's a line. It's, yeah. it's a 10-second line. It's a four-fucking-hour movie. You could have given I, me five minutes. <laughs> five minutes. And I feel like, and this might be because I'm a white male, I understand the white male perspective. Mm. I get why they were doing what they were doing, because yeah. we've done it over and over and over and over again. Right, right. I don't need a movie that shows me that perspective again. We can do without. Because we yeah. already know. I don't care that Leo and De Niro are the stars of the movie, so we have to show from their point of view. I don't give a shit. I want to see why the others were put in this position and how they felt. I also I also want to say that even though the acting is amazing in, in this movie from everybody, everybody acts so well, you are right that the movie is missing a ton of heart in it and that's why i was comparing it to bury my heart because it feels documented it just feels like documents explaining explaining things that's a good point because at the end of the movie or near the end of the movie you see it's a performance you see a bunch of people on stage and they're telling this story Mm -hmm. uh which you realize the whole time that's what it was it was these performers on stage narrating a story Around the same time that this happened, like, oh, that, is that is that what you thought? That's not the perspective I took on it. I think that at the end, when this was over, when this already happened, and you see the actual facts, then at the end you see how he gets passed forward. From oh, no, I took it as they were telling you the story. They're the, the narrators of the okay. story, mm-hmm. um, and it, 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 it's 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 a fun way to put it because it kind of. Sh- is like a true true crime podcast of 
today is yeah. that's how they did it in the 19 I guess that's like 1930 if this happened in the 20s well, I, th- I, must, I think the radio show is from like the 50s I think they yes. have moved on like a couple, a, folk, a couple decades by then so I, I got the point that they were telling it that they were the people telling the story which to me makes sense to why you only got most of the white man's perspective because yeah. they're probably the only people who documented anything right or that they were able to read that was in their own language that wasn't destroyed in one of the many fires they set or what happened so they only had the information from the white people and the information from the FBI and then they put a story together i think I, there there is a lot of this movie that even though it does feel like it's very abstract in that it doesn't have a lot of heart um there are parts where they show you a little bit of something that is a bit dramatized, then it feels out of place because we haven't had any heart in the movie. Uh-huh. For example, Leo uh, DiCaprio finds insulin when he first become available ever uh, to the United States. He finds insulin and he starts injecting his wife with insulin. So she mm-hmm. starts getting a little bit better or this and that. And then at a certain point, his uncle is like in the insulin, put this entire vial of this thing and just give her to her with her injections. And she's over here dying a very slow death because he's obviously poisoning her. But Mm -hmm. to the point that you made earlier that he kind of crossed a line somewhere, there's a point where he's throwing the thing in the insulin and then he puts whatever's left of it. Like he doesn't put the whole dosage and he puts a bit of it in something that he's drinking. Because I think he thinks I should die too because I'm doing something wrong. I think that starts the cracks in the relationship between him and his uncle is those scenes where he starts to start thinking for himself. He starts to not trust the doctors. So he mm-hmm. says, I'm going to do the shots myself in my house because I'm not, I don't want you to do them because I don't trust you. Uh, and then he does, he puts the extra nonsense in it. And then a couple times later, he starts doing it himself, putting it in his drink. So I think that's the start of the the broken relationship between him and his uncle, where he starts to feel a little bit more for his wife and a little less for his uncle. Yeah. And then he evolves as the movie goes on to where he finally puts his uncle behind bars instead of protecting him. So, you know, this is a very long movie, um, which kind of gives it, should have had more room to give me, like we're saying, like a little bit more. It should have had more feeling into it. And I think that is lacking a level of, it just sounds factual. I've said this four times already. And I think that he had room to be less factual and more, but much like, um, much like Napoleon, which was one of our last podcasts of last year, when I was talking about self-indulgence as directors, I think this is absolutely a self-indulgent endeavor for Marty Scorsese. Not the story itself, because I think it's an incredibly powerful story, but in the way that he's telling it. That nobody put him in check. That nobody told him, hey man, we should, this needs to move a minute. And I wasn't bored at any point, but I was just the entire movie waiting for a shoot to drop. Yeah, I was bored at some points of the movie. Some boys dragged a little bit. Some points, they really tried to stress, stress the, uh, what the white guys were doing and made uh, to me overvalued their plan. Like they had this great thing. De Niro's going to go out of town and this, this 
nobody's going to set a bomb underneath this house. And then no one's going to be around. And that bomb's going to go off. And it's going to blow up the two people inside. Or starting to cause trouble for us. And then all of a sudden De Niro shows back up into town. And then he's got a great alibi. I wasn't even here. You can't blame me sort of thing. I felt like things like that really took a long time to develop. Yeah. And I don't feel like it, it was needed. Uh, I get the error. I get that you can't text somebody and be like, yo, do it now. I, I get all that. Uh, but they really tried to stress... Like, how long of a process this was. Like, okay, I have to tell the Leo. Leo's got to tell this guy. This guy's got to go tell that guy. This guy's got to make sure the other guys aren't there. Like, it just felt a long process of a lot of things yeah. that didn't really add anything to the movie. No, because it's just more people getting killed. We got it. Yeah. You're killing people. <laughs> like, we get it. We, we understand. So, that kind of stuff I was a little bored with. And uh, I go back and forth with should have had more heart or shouldn't have had. Now, if you do it through the perspective of this is a movie being told as a movie, yes, I do think the heart is missing. Absolutely. If you look at it as this is a performance from the 1940s, 50s, or whatever it is. Yeah telling the story from just what the facts that they have, then that makes more sense why you don't get a lot of the Indian side of the story. Right. Uh, Either way, I feel like it's still missing. Um, Either having them tell the story was a bad choice or they missed something. Either way, I I felt incomplete... And that feels very frustrating when you're watching a movie that's almost four hours long to yeah. have that incomplete part still there. Like, I gave you half a fucking work day. Tell the whole story. Tell the fucking thing. And, you know, again, I want to jump back at this because you're right that that I there is so much that they could say by visually just telling you what's happening a fucking montage or whatever, they try to give you, like, like a perfect example of how poorly they do with this is every time somebody dies from the sister's family, she gets more and more and more distraught. But to be fucking fair, everybody from her fucking family gets killed. Mm-hmm. Everyone, except she has, like, a niece and a nephew that survived the thing. Um, and, oh, yeah, we kind of skipped that point. The niece and the nephew where because the brother-in-law wanted to kill them to take their money. Mm-hmm. And he went to a lawyer to say, how can I do this and not make it be illegal? So how can I actually have access to um, killing these kids and not getting blamed for it? Which is what really wasn't her going to, you know, and that comes later. It wasn't her going to the fucking see the president. The president also didn't give a fuck about these people. It was the it was Ed Jager Hoover because they were like, well, you can just kill people and try to get away with it. What is this? Because Jager Hoover was very fucking black and white, you know? He was. And that, I feel like, is a little off, too, because the Bureau was a new thing, and mm-hmm. he needed to make it seem that it was an important part of America, and we needed this. Uh, this was a great case to build on. Mm-hmm. So I think because... Jay of Hooger wasn't 
you know, Mr. Nice Guy, I'm oh, here no. for the people. He no, also no. was a white piece of shit. Yeah, for sure. Um, so he didn't do this on the goodness of his heart. He did this to make his bureau seem like it was needed and important. And that he was unbiased, too, which is very yeah. important, too. Like he very wanted much. to like he, he really wanted to make sure that he taught everybody. Yeah, he's this here is, for everybody. This is simple and direct. We need to do these things because we need security at this level. Exactly. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's just a pissing contest to see who is more in control. Uh-huh. You can't uh-huh. do this in my America. I'm going to tell you you can't, De Niro. You ain't the king. I'm the king. <laughs> now go to jail. Um, what I, what I, I mean, and again, uh, uh, again, to rubbing the point a little bit, when this, they show the sister suffering for her family's death, they don't spend any real quality time with that pain. So you, it's from afar always. Always. It, it's always from a distance. It's from, from Leo's perspective. And, it, and you know, it goes to prove your point that probably it is from whatever documentation they had to make, like a, like a, nine at uh, 1950s uh, uh i don't know radio drama about it uh but he certainly they missed the mark by by not putting more effort or more power into how how emotional this could have been and that's absolutely marty scorsese's fault yeah i think if that's the idea i mean i could be missing the point and maybe that had nothing to do with it but i think if you're going to show that the radio is the narrator. It should have started with something like that. Even if you see people walking into a theater, like something to say, like, radio, right? Yeah. Something to say, like, remember this, cause this is going to come back and you're going to figure out why we're showing you this scene. And I think that would have made more sense to me because you don't find out that until three hours into the movie or whatever it is. Right. And at that point, you're already so invested you're like, oh, this wasn't what I thought the whole time. I'm not going to go back and relive those three hours. I'm yeah, just going to no, move forward. No, I, you know, uh, this this is a, a problem that I'm seeing more and more with uh, with the streaming movies. Napoleon, this movie, uh, The Irishman, uh, all suffer from this self indulgence of like not needing to stop to process where exactly this lives. It's just like, hey, nobody's selling, telling them, hey, man, we need a little bit more or hard on this or this seems very dark. Like, I need to understand why this is so flat and you're not giving me anything on it. Everybody's too one-dimensional on this. And I I got to tell you, I, I felt a lot for the wife. I felt a lot when the kid died and Leo lost his shit. But it wasn't enough. It wasn't big enough. Or it was too late. It's one or the other. It was either not enough or too late. Mm-hmm. But um, all in all, I mean, the movie's shot beautifully. The movie looks gorgeous. The acting is top notch. So even without those elements of acting, which is supposed to make you, it's supposed to emote, right? Like the the, prob- the power of acting is making you have a feeling mm-hmm. where it doesn't exist. Even with that, I found that it was, it was, it was, it was good acting. It was great acting, even. Um, 
I don't know if he deserves like a best movie. I don't know if he deserves like a, you know. Well, let's move on to that. If we had a rating system that went from zero toes being the worst and six toes being top notch, how many toes are you giving it? I think this is probably the toughest towing I've had to do. Ooh. Because I feel like this movie has tremendous value. We've spoken about this at the beginning mm -hmm. of the podcast. I also feel that as a movie, it serves a function, but it leaves so much to be desired. However, it's so much movie that I don't know that you kind of feel that so much. I think ultimately, I... I'm gonna end up in. I want to give it three and a half, but I think it's more of a toe for toe movie. I think you get so much out of it, at least in knowledge or recognition, that it's worth the fourth toe. There is one scene that I didn't get to speak to yet, but I will say it now because it's the reason why I give it four toes, and it's a very simple scene. But you know, sometimes one scene can make everything click for you. The wife, when Leonardo DiCaprio is gonna finally confesses everything his uncle did, the wife comes to visit Leo DiCaprio, mm -hmm. and she tells him, "What were you injecting me with for all that time?" Because she almost was, she was almost entirely dead when the when the when the uh, Secret Service goes in, finds her, takes her to the hospital. They completely clean her out of whatever she had. And her, her diabetes is, is at a much better, you know, mm -hmm. in a much better so. place. Um, he She asked him directly, what were you giving me? And you see that moment for him where he couldn't really trust his wife. He couldn't really bring himself to tell his wife. Because he's saying, I'm sorry, I fucked up. But he's never, he doesn't have the the power to say how much he fucked up and she's giving him a chance to yeah, at I disagree. Least say the truth I think he's just selfish and he doesn't he blames somebody else it wasn't his fault he was just doing what he was told uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I get I feel like he was selfish I feel like he was afraid he'd be in trouble that if there was any chance of him getting back with his wife if he said the truth that was gone so I think it's all self-indulgence. I think it's all selfishness. Absolutely, um, but he th he had a moment to think about it. And I think that shows so much how how he was in conflict, which is what I'm trying to get at that you said before, that he took a moment to think about or process, do I tell her the truth? Or can I just get away with not and just continue living my life with her? Because that's what I'm going to get. Because mm. she's done. I think, I think it shows the cap on his growth is... He grew somewhat as a yeah. better person, but he's still a piece of shit. And, yeah. you know, he's, he still only got to whatever level he got to, which is still pretty low as a human being. Yeah. Well, for me, it's a foretold movie. Um, if not for the minimal good qualities that he has in storytelling, but because of the story that it is and how important and powerful it is, mm -hmm. how people deserve those people that got fucked over deserve their story to be told. And mm -hmm. I think that, that it's a very powerful message. It's a very powerful um, showing of of, uh, of uh, history 
if not in storytelling. So four toes for me. So Matt, yes, great in this great toe system that we have, where six toes the best, and yes. and zero toes is a little bit like well, you you should I shouldn't have even bothered opening it's my garbage. Mouth. Yeah, I give it four and a half toes. Like I said, start the podcast. It gets a two toe minimum just for bringing this story to light. Even yeah. if they did a terrible, terrible job of telling it, just to show, shine a light on what happened is a minimum of two toes. Right. The acting throughout the movie is very, very good. Yeah. The actors did what they were supposed to do. Yeah. So that gives me the three toes. The way it was shot was beautiful. The, the scenes, yeah. the, uh, the sets, the, the countryside... The explosions, the killings, the authentic housing and cars and everything they had throughout the entire movie. Uh, well, I thought it was all really well done. That gives me to four toes. Um, I liked the ending. I liked how it, it, it came to a, a conclusion. You found out what happened to every single person. Because as movies we've done in the past... Sometimes shit just ends. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this was a full, like, I closed the circle. It was a full movie, which uh, I'll give a half a toe because that's what the movie is supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> so I'll give that a half a toe. It's too bad that you have to give a half a toe because a movie does what it's supposed to. I'm, well, we, we've done many of these movies that don't give endings because they just want you to spend another $25 and see the next installment that might that's have true. an ending or that's might true. not have an ending. Um, so that was all well and good. We've talked about the problems throughout the podcast. Uh, I think it's missing a big chunk of what the movie should have been. Um, and it definitely feels like a white guy made the movie. Yeah. Um, which it's not a bad thing. It's just that this is a movie about an Indian tribe. I want to hear a perspective from the Indian tribe. Please. Uh, so... Four, four and a half toes is where I'm going to leave that. I think it's important to watch. Um, I think you should watch it on the streaming service and not so much in the movies. Um, and make sure you have plenty of time. Have a coffee or something beforehand because yeah, man. Y- you're putting in some time here. Um, speaking of movies that you should see at home, uh, for a long while, maybe for like three years, three years ago or so there was a movie called The Green Knight that came out um, in the movie theaters it is based on one of the King Arthur uh, uh, stories and uh, it's a children's story from like uh, medieval England or something like that about King Arthur or not he's in it but it's not about him it's about The Green Knight Uh, very weird visually fucking stunning gorgeous but uh way too fat for what it needs to be you know like they, they could have told me the story in an hour and a half and made it just as gorgeous as it is and i would have been way more excited and way more way more satisfied if you like uh if you like pina coladas pina coladas and getting uh caught in the rain caught in the rain it's two hours and five minutes if you like um uh, really I, Took a left turn here. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you like uh, uh, Arthurian fantasy, 
and if you like um, visually stunning imagery, uh, but you know, sub uh, what is it? Uh, a style over substance kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Great fucking movie for me. Uh, two toes. Uh, it was it was fun to watch, but I certainly was looking away a lot, and I had to come back to be like, I need to pay attention to whatever the fuck they're saying here. Uh, but it's gorgeous, 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 gorgeous. It looks All so right. beautiful. It's a nice looking movie. We get it. Bring it back to this movie that we're talking about today. Oh. Uh, eight and a half toes. We think you should go see it. Um, we got some movies on the horizon. Poor things. Look at the Oscar noms. We're probably going to hit a bunch of those in the next coming weeks. Yeah. Uh, we have a special hundredth episode coming up shortly. This was ninety six. So we're getting close, man. Getting close. And then big Oscar special to end the year. Uh, We'll end our movie year. And then we'll start a new new after that. Yeah, that's the season ender. (laughs) Yeah, the season finale. So look forward to all those gorgeous, 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 gorgeous things. Beautiful, too. In, in, in 2024. <laughs> beautiful too, okay? It's right. not just gorgeous. It's also beautiful. Beautiful and gorgeous. There and don't go. make fun of my accent. Yeah, come on pieces now. Pieces of shit. Listen, I found out a new exit. I stole this from Matt Lamatina, so we can oh, do it better shit. next time. But best podcast you're going to hear a week. It's been well documented. Well documented. <laughs> it's a proven fact. <laughs> So get the fuck out of here and join us next time. Now cue Thank the song. Thank you. Now. Good night. Nah, bye. Cue the song. What? Yeah. Cue it.